When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zero bonus episode number four starts right now. This is your Eternals spoiler-filled review breakdown, deep dive with the biggest experts and enthusiastic, passionate people on the planet. I do declare, in the words of Michael Scott. Uh, so, listen, welcome to Phase Zero. I'm Brandon Davis, joined today by Jamie Jurak. Hello. Joined today by Jenna Anderson. Hey everybody! I hope the like attempts you just made at our intro get like Please. uploaded on Twitter because that was art. <laughs> that was a masterpiece. Yeah, oh this was uh, there was before today's show began the audio that you're listening to right now. There was a lot of attempts to start the show, and when we're not live, it's just it's a different beast. It's 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 a whole different animal here, and sometimes your boy's not ready. Okay, all right. And we are also joined today by Aaron Perrine. I am ready to talk about some Eternals. Let's get into it. Let's do it. So everybody's still want, everybody listening is like, what are they talking about, about the intro? Like, what are they, this is only going to be funny to us and Nick, who is backstage right now. But anyway, all right, Eternals, it's out in theaters. First of all, let's talk about this box office. As of our recording, which is on Friday afternoon, we only know Thursday's numbers, which were very good, I would say. $9.5 million Thursday night. It's on track for a $75 million weekend. It could go a little bit less. I think it'll go a little bit more, but that seems pretty close to where it's going to land. For comparison, Black Widow made $13 million on Thursday night. Venom 2 made $11 million on Thursday night, and it is ahead of Shang-Chi, which made $8.8 million on Thursday night. Uh, So Eternals shaping up to have a good weekend. Anybody have thoughts on the box office before we jump into the content of the film? It is interesting, like having that awareness of how much it made on Thursday, because like I went to the late Thursday night showing near me and it was like the IMAX showing. And my boyfriend said to me afterwards, he was like, this is the least amount of audience I've seen at a Marvel movie in like a really long time. Like there were still it was maybe like 60, 70 percent full. But like compared to some of the other IMAX showings we've gone to for like Black Widow and Shang-Chi, it's like those were basically full. So it's interesting that it's outperforming Shang-Chi. I'm very excited and curious to see what the box office will be. Yeah, I'm curious. I saw uh, I saw Spencer last night, and it was really full. Wow! And I'm, I'm, so I'm I feel like the movies are back. Uh, I'm interested to see how that the whole weekend's going to play out. I was really surprised. I'm like, these people aren't seeing Eternals. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I went when I went and saw Dune um, on Friday, the Friday night that it came out. The theater was the most crowded I had ever seen it. I was like, wow, this one's available on HBO Max, and the theater is packed. So people are actually, you know, the movies are pretty much back, which is very nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, very pretty strong box office for Eternals. It's not available on Disney+, Plus, so everybody has to go see it in theaters. I'm very interested to see how this one does week over week because, like, I, I'm honestly, with how the reviews were, like, they were, the reviews were tough on this one. So I think uh, it's good to see that Marvel fans are forming their own opinions and going to see the movie, and I'm really interested to see what word of mouth does because I do think audiences will be split. And I, I don't know what jenna and aaron think of the film yet i jamie and i are on a similar page so uh, i'm very excited to see what everybody thought and that's it we're getting we're starting right there reactions reviews 
Uh, I'm putting two minutes on the clock. We each get two minutes to share our thoughts. You can talk spoilers if you haven't seen Eternals yet. What are you doing here? Jamie, <laughs> you drew the short straw. You're at the top of the screen. Uh, you know, you can talk spoilers. You can share your thoughts and opinions. Two minutes on the clock. Go. All right. Well, I talked a lot about this the last time, so uh, this will be easier for me to squeeze into two minutes. So things I couldn't talk about last time that I really wanted to were obviously that we get our first gay kiss in uh, the MCU. Uh, I thought that everything about representation in this movie I love so much. um, And uh, I thought everything they did with Fastos was was really beautiful and lovely. Uh, We also got our first sex scene. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to fight anyone who's like, kids shouldn't be watching. This this kiss between two men when there's like a straight up sex scene between a man and a woman in this movie. Um, so there was thrusting. Are, yeah, there was some. <laughs> we, need have, we need to have a whole separate conversation about that. I don't know why you made me go first. You you, you have known this is what was coming. We will get um, to it. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, you know, as I said before, uh, I don't love the movie. I do like the movie. I still gave it a, a four out of five. Um, you know, thankfully, no one came for me on the Internet with my review. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's it, the plot's messy. The, all the stuff with um, with the Celestials and it's, it's just a lot is going on. Um, but ultimately, the characters are great uh, and uh, and I'll, I'll watch it again. I'll probably see it one more time in theaters, but I'm not going to watch it seven times in a month like I did Black Widow. Uh, that's uh, and the big thing. And like, and you know, Harry Styles, I, I cackled when that happened in theaters. And I am so sad for everybody who got spoiled that moment because when he showed up on screen, I laughed so hard. And my boyfriend was like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was adorable. Um, uh, but so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a decent movie that, um, that I think people are being extra harsh on. It's not worse than Thor, the dark world. That's insane. Um, I think people, uh, I think people because of Chloe are giving it a harder, uh, uh, or they're just being harsher because she just won the Oscar and all that. Um, and it is this big Epic film. Uh, but in the end, I like it. I just, it's not my favorite. All right. All right. Jenna. Oh boy. Um, So I'm going to say two things about this movie that are simultaneously conflicting. Part of me wants it to be a shorter movie. I feel like the late of like the late first act into most of the second act could have easily been a montage and there, or it could have had a little bit more of a purpose other than just like, we're going to retell the same pieces of information over and over again to slightly different characters because at a certain point it got very repetitive and that is where the movie started to lose me. Once the majority of the group was together, they were back in the spaceship. I kind of had an idea of what everyone's deal was. I was so into this movie. Like the third act got the Jack Kirby of it all in a way that made me really, really happy. I just the visual of the celestial coming out of the water is just one of the coolest things ever. I am so happy that that is just a thing in the MCU now, which is this giant celestial head in hand that is going to be stuck in the ocean. Um, I, I knew the post-credit scenes to some extent. So those were still, those still found ways to surprise me. We'll talk about the Dane Whitman scene because that did have a thing that actually made me gasp because I was not expecting a certain part of that scene, even though I knew that he was getting the sword. Um, I think this movie could have been shorter, but then there's also part of me that is like, what if this was a six episode Disney plus show? Because I feel like they touched on so many interesting things with like the theology and the ethics of what the Eternals are doing and their whole mission and their whole origin story. And it's like, I almost wanted to see more of that as opposed to just like, we have to go tell another person that Ajax is dead and the emergence is about to happen. So I liked it. 
I, I have some issues with the plot. I think there are ways that you could have done something a little bit cleaner, but it had enough that I liked and I loved the cast so much that I really enjoyed it in that regard. All right. All right. Aaron, let's hear it. Um, finally, we get to talk about this movie. I know you've been listening um, to so much about this film. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's been just a very, very long road of hearing everyone else's opinion. And I'm like, well, I want to have an opinion too. And now I do. I actually, I'm a lot softer on this than I thought I was going to be because of all the reviews. It reminds me almost of the situation that arose around uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and all the reviews around that. And everyone kept saying it was like some sort of crime against cinema. And I was going into the theater. I actually went to the theater with beer because I'm like, I'm about to have a good time if this is awful. I'm about to. And then it was fine. It wasn't that. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like Corpse Cattle. I don't know. Like, I was like, this is fine. What's wrong? I, I feel the same way about this movie. It's not perfect. It's probably not in the top half of the MCU, but I've seen worse superhero movies in the last five years. I've seen way worse regular movies over the last five years. I have consumed a lot of terrible, terrible content. So that I punish myself with because, you know, it is what it is. Um, as far as like the character, the characters are really, really winning. And I think that's the biggest strength of this movie besides Chloe Zhao's beautiful, beautiful like staging is that the characters really seem to connect in the screening I was in. They all, like, especially Kingo, anything with him, anything with Don Lee, uh, most of the jokes landed. Uh, I feel like um, people really like Kit Harrington, although he's not here that much, which was very interesting. He's in all, he's up in all the videos dancing, but he's not here for very long. I think he's actually in the, in the movie slightly longer than Chris Brown is in Stomp the Yard. And that's funny to me and like five other people that are listening. He's in the movie for like 25 seconds. He gets shot in like four seconds of the movie. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it though. I don't, I, I'm now very confused because I don't know if the rest of you agree, but do you ever have moments where you feel like, did we watch the same movie? What's with all, like, where did all this vitriol come from? I don't know if I'm just too mellow. Maybe I'm too California for all of this. I don't know. <laughs> I'd love to hear what everybody else has to say. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with what all three of you just said. I'm surprised that we're all pretty much on the same kind of page where none of us loved it, but none of us didn't like it. Like there was certainly some things that I didn't like, but there was enough that I did like that I was like, yeah, if I gave this a review, I would say it was like, I would give it a fresh review, but by a little, like I wouldn't like it. And that's kind of the weird thing about Rotten Tomatoes is everybody's putting so much stock in the tomato meter, but it's not taking into account like review scores. It's just like good or bad. And I am surprised by how many people are giving it a bad review. It's certainly not in my top half of the MCU. It's my third favorite Marvel movie of the year, far ahead of Venom, but also Agreed. behind, <laughs> yeah, but also that's, behind let's Black make Widow that and point. It's way better than Venom 2. Yeah, for uh, me, it's way better than Venom 2. Jenna, I, I liked Venom 2 for what it was. Like, it knew exactly the type of movie it needed to be, whereas I feel like with Eternals, it is ambitious in the sense of how many different types of movies it's trying to be, but I almost wish it had just kind of stuck to one type and just, like, ran with it. So mm. in that regard, like, but I will agree, it is a better movie in a lot of regards than Let There Be Carnage was. Yeah, Venom Let There Be Carnage didn't do much for me at all at any point. But uh, <laughs> this, I would definitely have said rotten on Venom Let There Be Carnage and not this. But uh, I, I, I the, like the exposition dump where Arashem just tells Xerxes all four different parts of the story and it's it's like it just it's like this story that just keeps on going and going and going. It's just like telling us all the whole thing, 
that was a lot for me. That was too much for me. It pulled me out with how much of it we had to just learn in that moment. Um, but uh, like, there's things that I really liked. I really liked some of the characters. I think we're, we're going to go through some of our favorite characters. Everybody's going to pick their favorite characters. I loved Fastos. I love how the representation just felt natural. Like to me, Fastos is the character I think I identify with the most. And because he's just human and he's in love and he's, that's the reason he wants to be alive. Like, you don't have to have the same sexual preference as somebody to have something to have that sort of thing in common with them. I thought Fastos was a great representation of humanity in a very similar way to what Dane Whitman was, but in it, like, it, it, like, like a similar representation of humanity, but in very different ways, I guess is the, what I meant to say there. Um, my biggest thing, why did Icarus even get everybody together? Because if Icarus <laughs> had just killed Ajax and done absolutely nothing, nothing would have happened. And the emergence would have, would have gone off without a hitch, but he was like, let's get everybody together. And then everybody together stopped him. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like Xerxes might've been like, yo, there was a deviant what's going on. But like Kingo was making his movie. Like mm-hmm. Bright was just chilling. Like everybody was just chilling. I don't really understand why he got everybody together, but that's, that's a, I don't want to be nitpicking. There was, there, yeah. Um, the Makari's action sequence at the end was awesome. I really loved what Lauren Ridloff was able to do. What Chloe was able to do at that. The movie was shot so beautifully. Uh, I, I, something I want to talk about later is whether or not this would have been a better movie if it wasn't a Marvel movie, if it didn't have the restrictions of MCU canon because it was super ambitious and it did have so much to say. But yeah, overall, I stick with my six out of 10, which to me is like, that's the bottom number you can have to have it be a good movie. Like it's, it's worth watching. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more the second time because I knew Icarus was bad and it added tension to all of the scenes that he was in with all of the other characters. And I think had that reveal been earlier, I would have liked the movie a lot more with all of that tension uh, because I never really got attached to Icarus. So the twist was kind of like, oh, I didn't see that coming. But it wasn't like, oh, I hate him for it because I liked him. I didn't really like him. So that is what that is. But uh, I liked Richard Madden's performance. I wasn't attached to Icarus. But anyway, all right, favorite characters. We're going to go around. Everybody gets picked three. Aaron, you see who's on top. It's you. Yeah. Um. So I'm probably, and I wonder how much overlap we're going to have because I feel like there's going to be a lot. Um. Probably Fastos. Kingo, and actually, weirdly enough, I really love Gilgamesh. I love Gilgamesh so much. He has so much flavor to it. When he dropped the pie, it was probably one of the loudest times everybody laughed in the theater. It was like, it was, I heard a lady behind me go, oh, and I'm like, he's got you. He's got you. So, yeah, that's my three. I love when he slapped the deviant to the face, just open-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, what about you? Who are your big three? Um, I said in the past, and Athena is my favorite. Um, I just, because I like a sad girl. Uh, I, and Angelina Jolie, just her performance was so good. I loved the end with, with her and the kid. She's just, I just want to snuggle up to her. Uh, and then Kingo is a close second. Uh, come on, Nanjiani. Like, I think Jen and I both talked about this. Like, we've been, like, fans of his for a really long time. Um, and and just seeing where, how his career has come. And uh, just, like, he used to do what we do. I, he has this great story about interviewing Ryan Johnson at, like, a con um and uh and it's just like it's so cool to see his career and he's just so funny um and yeah those are my t- I, don't, I don't even have a third that comes close to those to those two 
<laughs> Jenna, what about you? Yeah, I have to echo the Kingo of it all because I've like like Jamie said, I've known Kumail since he was doing a video game podcast with his wife. Like I, it's been this thing, and he was just like hosting a stand-up show in Los Angeles. So it is very cool to see him get to this point of being a star in a Marvel movie and also stealing so many scenes and having so many funny moments. It was like he deserves this. Like I'm very happy for him. I was really pleasantly surprised by Makari. I based on how you two had spoken about it, I expected her to not be in the movie as much, but the bit that she was in was just so impactful and so cool. I I under, I relate to and sympathize with the idea of like you can live forever. I'm just going to sit and read a bunch of books and just be like comfy in my in my own little spaceship. Like I I relate to that. I think that that's a great thing. And then I I liked Cersei. I think that Gemma. I'm so happy that she got her redemption in the MCU. I think she was drastically underutilized in Captain Marvel. Like I've been a fan of hers for years. So it's just cool to get to see her in this kind of leading role. And I think she anchored the movie in ways that were really essential. So I'm just happy to see whatever's next for her for me it was kingo makari and then i think i want to say druig i really thought barry did a great job as druig i thought mm -hmm. his his he he was makari and druig were two of the lesser used characters uh from 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 the film and i thought that they were both really good in the scenes that they did have i thought barry brought a great humanity and emotion to it and i loved the sequence um in uh, was that in tenochtitlan uh, back when he was like, they were on top of the pyramid and he was just like questioning Ajax. I mm -hmm. thought he brought a great, great performance there. So yeah, let's, I find it interesting. Uh, go ahead. I was saying, am I the only one shipping Makari and Druig? Is, oh no, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Like I love screen. that their relationship. Uh, yeah. when, when, when she thought he died, I like mm -hmm. my soul got crushed. Uh, I oh, want to okay. see them. How did he not die? Like, what are that's that's <laughs> what are the rules I here? I know. Like, what can't like a knife can almost basically kill somebody, but mm -hmm. laser eyes from two hundred feet in the sky slammed into the ground, and like he just comes walking out. I don't know. Like, it's a superhero movie, so I know you kind of just gotta accept it to some extent. But like, kind of follow your own rules a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of my thing there. Also, where the hell there. did Salma Hayek get that shotgun from? <laughs> on the ice. <laughs> The, the miners that got killed by them dropped mm -hmm. them. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. All right, thank you. Because that I, I, okay, I'm stupid. <laughs> Which okay, our so powers I, are healing people and summoning shotguns out of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm telling you, I watched it and I was like, "What is? Where did that? How did she get that?" <laughs> but there, okay, okay. There, there was, was part of me with that whole like setup in Alaska. I'm like, I almost want a one shot that is like the thing, but in the MCU of just like, what if this like Alaska research team gets like taken over by deviants and like how they fight them off and stuff. I'm like, that would just be, it would be a very spooky and thing that I don't think yeah. Marvel would ever do. But I'm like, that would be so fun to see of like a weird little like horror movie kind of. In it would be Marvel's project. Suicide Squad with like coal miners. Yeah. Because they'd all die. <laughs> <laughs> Those deviants were not messing around. No. But all right, let's let's talk about these post-credit scenes. That's why everybody's here. We know why you're here, Phase Zero listeners. You want to talk about these post-credit scenes. I've seen your tweets already. Everybody is very excited. These credit scenes are dope. The first scene sees uh, Thena, Makari, and who was the third person Druig. on the ship? Druig. Uh, on the ship, the Domo, going out to search for other Eternals, I think, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, all of a sudden, it's not a portal. It's not like a Doctor Strange portal. It's more in line with like a combination of like the Bifrost and the Spider-Verse multiverse effect. Like, I don't know what that was, but somehow 
Pip the Troll comes falling in, voiced by Patton Oswalt, the worst-looking CGI thing in the whole movie, uh, but very cool and very fun to listen to and see Pip the Troll realized in the MCU. Uh, and then he introduces Eros, brother of Thanos, Prince of Titan, Star Fox himself, played by none other than Harry Styles. Uh, I, I think even before this was spoiled, which I got to see this before it was spoiled, it was something that was like rumored. So I kind of had like this. It, it was still a shock to me, though. I was still very delighted to see it. Uh, Star Fox, very controversial character mm-hmm. in comics. I don't know if they're going to go that route. I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. What did you guys think of this first scene? Big takeaways? I, I'm glad you acknowledged how bad the CGI was. I saw a comment online that compared it to Shrek 2, and I can't unsee that now. <laughs> like, he just looks like a troll from Shrek 2. And I feel so bad because I'm like, I, I had heard ahead of time that Patton was playing Piff the Troll. I was so excited to see that. And I was like, how are they going to do that? Are they just going to CGI his face? Are they going to, like, shrink him down? Like, what are we doing here? And my hope is that, like, whenever he appears next, he kind of gets the Korg treatment of, like, he doesn't look the same whenever we see him next because that CGI, I think it was also because the movie had so much like practical golden hour kind of aesthetic to it just seeing him be this like holy cgi character that has such a distinct look was like this is very jarring the cgi is not what it's supposed to be but like i liked the harry styles of it all i knew it was coming i had seen a leak of what his costume looked like and i still was very pleasantly surprised by him and pip's rapport and kind of like how he enters the universe he is a very controversial character, particularly with regards to She-Hulk. So that is kind of interesting. I am curious to see if they're going to give him like this holy hero treatment or if they're going to dip into how he kind of sucks a little bit, depending on what comics you read. But I don't know. I'm just excited that he's in this universe. Like it's such a cool thing to add. I think it's so dope that he's in this universe. I, and just for everybody to get a little background here, uh, there we have a YouTube video that you can go get like a really concise breakdown of what these these credit scenes mean but it's already dated because of what we're going to tell you at the next post credit scene but a little background on star fox for everybody who's listening created by jim starlin uh what jenna is referencing about the she-hulk thing is when titan is destroyed uh star Star fox is like you know what i don't need to stay here Uh, and he just goes on to have some recreational sex all across the globe because he has an ability or the globe the galaxy uh, because he has an ability to like to influence minds. He kind of has a mind control. I don't know if you can really call it mind control. It's it is mind control though, to in a sense. It's like mind influence. But uh, he starts convincing women to do sexual things with him, and it's not really their choice. It's his choice to make them make that choice. Which that ain't cool, bro. You can't be doing that. So very much. I, if it was possible in our world, I imagine it would be illegal. Uh, I would hope so. And in the MCU, it is illegal because he ends up going to court. And She-Hulk is one of the people he has had sexual relations with. And he reveals that he did not use his powers on She-Hulk, but he did use his powers to manipulate her relationship with J. Jonah Jameson's son, John Jameson, which ultimately leads to them sleeping together and all this stuff. So it also is factored in the fact that he used his powers on Thanos when they were younger. And that, you know, leads to like Thanos. So he ultimately has his powers taken away from him as a punishment for all of this. So it's going to be very interesting to see if they have Harry Styles play this womanizing eternal with those powers in this way. I don't even know if I want to see that in the MCU. Like I just, just, yeah, like I don't need that. We see that in the news. We see that in real life enough. You Not, just like, broke powers, Aaron but... and Jamie. Like they, they, they're so shook right now. Of like, yeah, it's just like I don't, break. I don't need that in the MCU. I'd mm-hmm. rather have Star Fox kind of just be 
like this, like almost like an intergalactic Tony Stark. Like he's just a playboy. He's like a, like, cause I feel like they're going to have that in there just in the kind of cockiness that they brought in just this scene. But I don't need, I don't think I need to see, I mean, it, listen, I'm sure they have plans for whatever they have plans for. And if they do something like that, I don't, it's gonna. I don't know. I don't really want to see it go that way. I don't know. Jamie, what that's, do you think? That's hard to redeem. Like, yeah. I want to like him. Even right. if he's bad, I want to, I want to like yes. his character. Uh, I, cause I, cause I think he's going to, I think he'll play a playboy very well. Um, uh, I think that uh, I'd love to see him be by. Of course I do. But like, but like, yeah, there's an energy there. Like, 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 uh, I, like there should be no, nobody off the table in the galaxy. Kind of like Lando. Um, I mean, I, yeah, that's like Loki. Like, I think when you're that, yeah. like, especially even if you're not, if you, if you don't start that way, you know, you just eventually are like, you know what? I want to try something new. Why not? There's nothing wrong with yeah, it. I, I foresee <laughs> that. But I, but if he's like, getting people like power using his powers to get people to sleep with him that there's no coming back from that i'm not going to like you if you do that yeah. uh, i will say i i'm ex- i could not name a single harry Styles song uh, but i but I, but um but i thought he was really good in dunkirk that's kind of my only uh, all i really know him from uh, also like memes um and uh, and so i'm excited just to, to his performance i think he's going to be really good and obviously i'm excited about Patton because uh, you know what i'm going to say next he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I'm glad that his days with Marvel are not over. Uh, that makes me happy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed everything about that scene. Aaron, you've, you've, uh, you've listened. I know you're, I I know you're, just, you're listening and you're, I just you're, love you're calculating. Jamie I love that Jamie found a way to tie it back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's, that's what I came for. That's what everybody's here for. I mean, the sauntering up, and you couldn't avoid this for I tried, and I couldn't avoid this for I didn't see it beforehand. I was like, oh, this is going to work. He's a charismatic son of a gun. I don't know if you've seen any of the live performance. The presence is like there. Like, you know, some people are star, but he like carries himself like he's a star. So it's going to work. And from the moment that they said like that this was rumored, I was like, is he going to be in Love and Thunder? Like, is that how this is going to like go? Because, you know, Valkyrie needs a queen, right? And who better to play uh intergalactic wingman than one harry styles that's got just chills completely... yeah <laughs> it could be really cool yeah but i don't i just i feel like if he was in love and thunder this would have leaked uh, yeah that's the only reason i don't think so but it seems like it could make sense because he could just as quickly as he got on that ship through whatever teleportation he did get off that ship and go somewhere else but maybe guardians I, volume I, three i, I I thought that he's probably like there has to be one of these upcoming co- like cosmic stories where he's gonna not be with the Eternals and show up and people will be like who the heck are you like don't you want to see him in the voice of Mario and Garfield banter back and forth I do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I I'm digging it I think it's gonna be really cool I don't know like I, I like, I'm sorry I'm sorry Brandon <laughs> I brought up. I brought up the no the no fly list of bringing up Chris Pratt and his uh, animated uh, dalliances. My bad. It's me, a Star Lord. Oh, that was a Garfield hairball. Um, uh, <laughs> what a, this our timeline is so bizarre. Yeah, we are living in in I don't know what I don't know what Loki did, but we are in the weirdest timeline. I swear. <laughs> okay, but that's so. Does anybody else have anything they want to talk about from that that first post credit scene before we move on to what was my favorite post credit scene? 
I will say I was shocked knowing what both of them were. I was shocked at what order they were in because I expected Star Fox to be the like post post credit scene. And then the thing we're about to talk about to be the mid credit scene, which I'll get into it when we talk about it specifically. But I, I appreciate the decision to kind of flip it from what I had expected. Yes. Knowing what we know now, I yeah. very much it makes sense. They flipped it. But that said, I felt I feel like to the mainstream audience that is kind of the more casual Marvel movie watcher than than the hardcores like us, the geniuses like ourselves and the phase zero <laughs> listeners. I that Harry Styles seems like the big payoff to leave you like, I had the best time ever when yeah. you walk out of the theater. That's usually what they like to do. But uh if you if you catch the details at the end of the second post-credit scene, which now have been revealed, shockingly revealed um i'm, I'm surprised it's out there so i'll just get right into it uh second post credit scene kid arrington dane whitman he finds the he finds or reapproaches the ebony blade he it, it is some basically seems to be responding to him uh he picked he goes to pick it up and somebody says you sure you're ready for that mr whitman that voice confirmed to be mahershala ali's blade what I can, first of all, shout out to Eric Golden from Fandom for getting that confirmation. Good job, Eric. Good on you. Proud of you. Thank you. This is the first I'm hearing about this. Oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) We might need to clip that. I know this isn't available in video form, but that that clip might be. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so happy. I genuinely didn't. I missed that. I don't know how. My boyfriend turned to me and was like, like, is that Mahershala? And I was like, no, it can't be. And then we were like speculating about it on the drive home. And then like with the current confirmation was this morning. It is so amazing to get to see you learn that in real time. That was incredible. Oh, Oh, you guys, I I don't know if you know this about me, but like vampires are my favorite genre of anything. And the fact that we're getting vampires in the MCU is like, I I can't express my joy about it. And what you're saying is that Morbius is your most anticipated movie of 2022. I wish. I really wish, man. Honestly, I, 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 I have... The only thing getting me to that movie is Michael Keaton. I really wish that I was excited, but you know what? Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Maybe. Hey, so if you set the if you set the expectation yeah. bar low, it can only be exceeded, right? Yep. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm excited for Morbius. That trailer was great, but anyway, this is about Eternals. Uh, but yeah, so honestly, the Mahershala thing. I did a whole YouTube video where I never even mentioned Blade because I was just thinking to myself, like, like that did maybe sound like him, but there's just no way. Like that that couldn't have been Blade, right? And it was. So that's very exciting. I was, I am, as as Jamie seems to be, tremendously excited for the Blade movie. Add in Kit Harrington's Black Knight, and I'll be doing cartwheels all the way to the theater, yo. I am so excited for more Dane Whitman. I am so excited for the Black Knight. I want to see more of it. So here's here's the quotes on this. Uh, Chloe Zhao said, that was my, that was the voice of one of my favorite superheroes, Mr. Blade himself. Blade, 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 yeah. And then in regards to the movie, she said, you just have to wait for it. I don't know what they're doing with the movie, but Mahershala is a treasure. Uh, it's going to be epic. Kit Harrington said it's really cool. Chloe texted me about that a couple of weeks ago, and it sort of blew my mind. I didn't know that that would be the case, so it's pretty exciting for me. Kit, I don't believe you. You told me once that you were dead and you weren't, so I believe you knew about this. But anyway. He's really good at, like... At, at keeping secrets uh yeah. th- th- this whole press tour he's like i'm just a guy who works at a museum that's yeah. it and we're all like but we know you're not but like we know your name is dane whitman so it's, it's like we know you're lying but he's like i don't know i'm just a guy who likes a girl and, and i think that's hilarious yeah that man knows how to keep a secret all right we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about this in just a minute we're gonna take a quick break 
pay the bills, uh, and then continue about the post-credit scenes and more discussion about the Eternals. See you in a second. Welcome back to bonus episode number four of Phase Zero. We are deep into Eternals lore. We are talking about the second post-credit scene, which saw Dane Whitman meet Blade. So Blade is out and about in the MCU. That's very exciting. Uh, is there? I can't. I can't think of anything in my head about. There might be something obvious. Forgive me if I'm missing something or, or don't have the knowledge or haven't read this book. But a Blade and Black Knight comic story have they been intertwined before does anybody know i can't think of anything specifically but it is kind of a thing of like they both can tangentially be associated with like the midnight suns and that kind of like spooky group um mm. which we which we're seeing kind of develop further we have a moon night as of yesterday we now have a werewolf by night so it's like we are kind of building out that group and not even realizing it like i i am so excited like i knew he was getting the blade but like having actual blade be in that scene was so surprising like that i i was i was waiting for something in this movie to genuinely surprise me and that definitely did it was so exciting so i i know that like we have to be getting more of him in some capacity i had joked on wednesday show that if if we didn't have that post-credit scene he would almost feel like a cw supporting character of like you're just in the you have a comic accurate name but you're just a guy and like eventually we could get to what you are in the comics but we're not there yet but so it's like i'm happy that we are actually building that up and we're getting towards something i do want to say when we were on the set of eternals there was this moment where the prop master had all the props for the film lined up. And I didn't say this before the movie came out because it was clearly something that we just wanted to protect the spoiler of. And they had all the props lined up and all day, everybody was telling us Black Knight is not in the film. He's just Dane Whitman. There is no sign of Black Knight. There's no Ebony Blade. There's no nothing. He's just Dane Whitman. And we walk into the prop room and the prop master some reason this happens on all of the sets. The prop masters are the ones who usually say a little too much. Like I'll never forget on the infinity war set. Nobody said anything. And then we got the prop master with no publicist in the room. And he was like, Hawkeye's got a new costume. Spider-Man's got a new cut. They just, they just spill it. And so this time we're going through it. We're going through it, going through it. And then all of a sudden we get to this point where it's like, uh, this is the black Knights. And then somebody the like the unit publicist, ah, no, 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 we're not, we're covering that up. And uh, it was the ring. It was the ring with the family crest on it. And I don't know why they were so secret, why they wanted to protect that secret so much. It wasn't the blade itself, but I guess just any acknowledgement to his legacy was a, a, a tight lipped secret, but I respect them for keeping the secret. I love surprises. We only have one Marvel movie left this year. And we already know the whole plot takes place on a bridge. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're running out of secrets here, but yeah, I thought that was a fun <laughs> note, but sorry, that was very, that was a little derailing <laughs> anecdote there. Uh, but yeah, anybody else got anything about this post-credit scene they want to weigh in on before we get into more of the minutia, as Rocket would say? So I guess the, the audience reaction to this was so interesting because there's so many different things that are going on in the MCU in the background that there's no way to triangulate what this big like stuff is building to in one nice big pyramid. You have Midnight Suns forming in the background with Moon Knight, Blade, Black Knight, and Werewolf by Night. You have Young Avengers silently just amassing another, like the Children's Crusade in the background. They just mm -hmm. exist. 
You've got all the cosmic shenanigans and a full-blown Adam Warlock running around now who's cast. And Thor is running around with them too. And then just the regular Thunderbolts, ground-level stuff that's going on. And we don't know what's going to happen in Hawkeye. We don't know what's going to happen in Spider-Man. I'm sure that's going to add some weirdness to it too. So they've clouded everything to the point where I guess they got tired of the internet trying to guess these things ahead of time. They're like, you're going to get it when you get it. Cause there's so much going on. I, I laugh cause I'm like, what is, what is Blade and them going to do in secret invasion? Are they even going to be around? Like who even knows? Like it, it's so amazing to think about. And you never thought you'd see these characters. Like there's so many people in this cast of like the entire universe that could be in the same room where you're like, oh man, like did did anybody catch him offhandedly? Kingo saying, oh yeah, I hung out with Thor like years yeah. ago when he was a child. And I was like, wait, what? Like, huh? <laughs> Where's that movie? Where, can we get that back? I want to well, have growing out for an entire movie. That'd be great. Yeah. Baby Thor will sell action figures. <laughs> right. Avengers yeah. 5 isn't even going to be just characters crossing over. It's going to be all of the groups Aaron just mentioned crossing <laughs> over. It's going to be the reason yeah, why the Thunderbolts like, and the Young real. Avengers and the and the Midnight yeah. Suns and everybody comes together. And the Guardians of the Galaxy and the, the Asgardians of the Galaxy. So that's the, yeah. But yeah, that post-courtesy was dope. Um, all right, we've talked pretty... We, we could talk more about the plot of the film or we can just kind of keep going on and... Um, just discuss that as we get into more more of this uh, the movie. I, I, one question I did put in the notes here that I do want to discuss is: Would it have been a better movie if it wasn't restricted to the Marvel canon, or if it had just been set at a different point in the MCU? I do think I, maybe this is just a problem with me as a viewer. I felt like a lot of the 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 film it just was weird to see kind of a celestial emerging from the Earth and think about the stakes here and like hear those moments of like Kingo had a relationship with Thor and Odin and all these kind of things like that and not, and it, it and simultaneously feels so isolated. And I think that the movie could have gone maybe even bigger or, or committed to its story in a way. I don't know. I don't know how to describe what I'm like. I wish I could verbalize it better. I know it's my job to verbalize these things, but Jamie, yeah, take over for me, I, please. I put this in the review and I think that like, it's, it's, it's a strength and a weakness in terms of the fact that it's so its own thing. Uh, it, like you, you do not need it to connect with anything else, but I, but I think that it's cool just because it proves that we can take this franchise anywhere and do anything. Um, and, but I, I agree that like, you know, when, I, when I'm having my, frequent binges of like what marvel movie i'm gonna pop in next it's always like oh well i just watched civil war so i guess i gotta watch homecoming now and like eternals there's there's nothing of that um and i hope that one day down the line there will be um but but because it doesn't connect there's i'm not going to be as uh as motivated to like just pop it in all the time um but but your thought of it not it would be better as not a marvel movie i don't know i don't know if i if i agree to that just because uh what I just, I can't imagine that world, I guess, in which that scenario exists. Yeah, I'm thinking like about the reviews and people being like so many negative reviews. And I'm wondering if like there's a mindset going into this film that you just, you kind of know what to expect when you get a Marvel movie now, to some degree. I mean, they are all a little bit different. You have Black Widow being a spy movie, Shang-Chi being a Kung Fu movie, Venom, whatever that was. (laughs) Uh, And like just all these different kind of, like Thor is very different from Iron Man and and that type of thing. And this one was very different as well, but it also felt less like a Marvel movie for some reason because of its, I guess like Chloe Zhao has a very unique stamp and she 
it felt like she took out part of her stamp. She very much put her stamp on this movie, especially with compared to other Marvel movies. But she like the the combination of those two allowed neither of them to fully exist in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of the opposite. Like you're saying that it, that people are harsh because it's not more similar to Marvel. I think people are harsh because they expected more from Chloe. Uh, I think that hmm. it's uh, where I think that a lot, you know, a lot of critics are, are, they review more movie. Like we, we stick kind of in, with our comic booky star Warsy kind of realm. Whereas a lot of critics, they, you know, they, they also review Nomadland. We didn't, I don't think we reviewed that one. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think that that is why there was a harsher, because I think the expectations were higher based on this Academy Award winning director uh, was making this movie. That does start just an interesting conversation about reviews in general and like whether or not you can judge them all on the same scale or just accept like I went into this one to have fun because Venom of the Recarnage got good reviews. Red Notice got panned, Mm -hmm. got Red Notice is getting slammed. Mm -hmm. And so like, do you go in like, I don't know, do you go into a Dwayne Johnson movie with a certain expectation, which or do you go into like a Marvel or do you go into a Nomadland? With the critics go into those, I don't know, but it is. I I will say this, Aaron. I'm gonna. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just think that the important thing. I like to read reviews from people I trust and talk to friends who I trust and I like their opinions and stuff. Who see movies before I do and read reviews of movies before I see them, just out of interest from people I trust to set my own expectation. But ultimately, that never deters me from seeing a movie that I wanted to see. I like to go for my own opinion. I think that everybody should. And if you love a movie, don't, who cares what any amount of critics say, if they agree with you or disagree with you or your friends or anybody, it's your opinion. You're right for having the opinion. So that, that's, I just wanted to share that because I know a lot of people are very excited for Eternals. A lot of them are leaving it, loving it and saying like, critics are crazy. Critics are crazy. You're, hey, I'm glad you enjoyed it more than I did. If you enjoyed it less than I did, I wish you'd had a better time. We're all watching these movies. I want everybody to have fun all the time. Aaron, go ahead. Um, I just would like to say, like, I, I think I would agree. Coming from, like, video game spaces, Metacritic is kind of a scourge, you know? <laughs> People act like if a game gets less than an 80%, that it's some sort of, like, badge of shame. And I'm like, ah, does it really matter? Like you said, if, if it facilitates conversation and people are enjoying themselves and people like it, does it really matter that someone reviewed it badly? I mean, you said yourself after you came out of the screening, you talked with a couple other people who were in there, Brandon, right, about like the movie and what you thought and certain plot points stuff. And when's the last time you came out of the screening and did like any longer than 15 minutes of that? So I feel like there's some real like value in that. And I think Jamie might be right about there are some people who were like going into this thinking that maybe she found some way to quote unquote backdoor some sort of more cinematic effort into this thing but it's like no it's just like a movie that she wanted to make and she wanted to make this movie too i feel like some of those takes infantilize her like oh they just were too strong what if it's just a movie she wanted to make it's hard to say you know i think chloe did a hell of a job directing i think the script Mm -hmm. is where the movie comes up a little short for me yeah that's 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 my stance on this i want to see her do another one please Mm -hmm. don't let this be the end of her doing it um i don't know i don't know if she's gonna come back go ahead jenna no i i was gonna say this is part of a larger conversation of like what you're saying about the the marvel of it all and like how stuff kind of connected and stuff kind of didn't i remember one of the very first rumors that surrounded this movie i think before like casting and production had even started was like we're gonna get baby thanos like that was just kind of a thing that like the internet believed for like a week is that like we're gonna go to titan and we're gonna see little baby thanos and that's gonna be part of the history lesson of what the eternals are so i remember 
building this movie up to some sort of degree, like years before it was even coming out as like, this is going to be just like the unseen aspects of history throughout the MCU. And then we get to all of the various flashbacks that are in this movie. And by and large, they are just kind of ancient civilizations that are so far removed from anything that we're even dealing with in the canon that it just kind of felt so separate. The one thing that felt super jarring to me, and like I was talking about my, like talking about this with my boyfriend, I feel weird about the fact of like the Hiroshima scene and Fastos feeling responsible for causing Hiroshima because that felt so dark and real in like a context that I'm not used to in the MCU. There's part of me that thinks they could have still done that same sort of message of like, oh no, I gave them technology and they used it irresponsibly. You could have done that with like Sokovia or something that Tony Stark did or like something that was in the universe because it did feel kind of weird of like, here's our first queer character. This is a huge milestone for representation. And before we even are introduced to his family and his whole deal, he thinks he's responsible for this like massive atrocity. So part of me was like, that feels a little odd. Like I respect the decision to do it, but I feel like there could have been a way to inject a little bit more of the MCU lore at moments like that in history, as opposed to just using like real world history as a template. I, I totally agree with you. And, and just on that point, I also like the same way I, in Iron Man three, like when they bring the president into the movie, I'm just not a huge fan of bringing kind of like super real world stuff, like really real world stuff into it, into a Marvel world. Like I get Marvel is kind of set in our world and not, anytime a movie does that like one of my least favorite things in kingsman is when they blew up like the head of the president and like stuff like that where i was just like you know I, then you remind me that it's not this world like it's it's it, i think that it for this I, I i don't know how they could have done it better but i agree with you i think there could have been a cool way like the sokovia thing too if you are going to pin some sort of guilt on a character like fastos um, and show that he redeemed himself by you know trying to keep continue improving humanity it would have been interesting to see it tied to like a marvel event mm -hmm. but that, yeah that, that that wasn't one that i had a huge problem with but i agree with that i, I do like that your points there aaron sorry go ahead every time i see something one of these things now any project and poor tony gets brought into it and it's somehow his fault i think about you i was going to ask you specifically how did you feel about the snap and the sacrifice being painted as this thing that like well maybe that wasn't the best thing to do because i was like oh man i can't, can't even feel great about it now because <laughs> it kind of doomed us because there's going to be a big celestial burst out of the, of the like oh sorry iron man sorry you died we were all going to die anyway ah, like it's sad that's that was my problem with the movie. I think uh, my biggest problem is that I know the world's not going to end. We the these people, the Earth just went through a pretty traumatic event for five years. I cannot believe that whatever is happening in this movie is going to affect Earth truly. Uh, yeah. That I, I struggle with that the whole movie. I'm like I I. I've, this is nothing's gonna happen. Nothing bad's gonna happen. And usually, um, the stakes are a little. Uh, a little more interesting or, or bigger. I even like, you know, I, I love that Black Widow is just a, like a, I keep calling it a side quest, a little personal stakes. Shang-Chi, you know, just their their extra world was at stake, not the whole world. I think I think putting the whole world in danger this soon after Endgame was a mm -hmm. bit extreme. It took us 45 minutes to get here, but Jamie just made the absolute best point. I yeah. could not agree more. I, I couldn't, I never realized it. Like I think subconsciously that is what I have been feeling. I tried to verbalize it on Twitter that I thought it was like an end game hangover that I didn't buy the stakes, but you <laughs> nailed it. I never felt like the earth was going to explode and it actually would have if a celestial hand even started rising out of water like that. But that's besides the point. I don't care. I'll forgive that stuff. That's all part of superhero movies, but <laughs> 
Yeah, you nailed it. You just nailed it. You, I, that those stakes didn't hit me, and uh, the stakes, the, the the attempts at personal stakes when mm-hmm. it did try to get intimate. I wish that I had felt the weight of Gilgamesh's death. It didn't really hit me. For some people, it really did. For some reason, it didn't really hit me. Um, and Ajax's death, I was kind of like, oh, they already killed her. Like, come on. I was like, there, I was like, there's no, she's not actually dead, right? And then I start using my brain that from the comics. That's just like, well, when an Eternal dies in comics, they just really get remade. So like, she's gonna be in the movie again, right? But only in flashbacks. Yeah, I just the stakes didn't really land with me. That's a real. I think that's generally like, and then, uh, my last thing, and then I I'm I'm gonna shut up. I swear. But these are <laughs> I just got I got jib, word vomit of the mouth because I keep thinking of these things. There there was no like because we started the movie with them fully assembled and fully realized as their powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no kind like I didn't feel a moment. Other the only time I felt this was when Fastos pinned Icarus down. I thought that was really cool. That but there wasn't like a, a I I didn't personally feel a moment of like payoff where they all kind of realize what they're capable of. The Unimind thing I think was supposed to be that kind of like Avengers assembled moment, but I didn't feel that like it was kind of like there was no build towards this big moment of them teaming up or somebody realizing everything. I think it was supposed to be through Xerxes. Call me crazy. I wish I felt it. And if you did, I'm really happy for you. Uh, but I, I, did you guys agree? Like, was that like, I just didn't feel like big, kind of climactic payoff or team up moment that kind of defines the movie for me the the, the highlight was Makari and Fastos kind of taking down Icarus but those were kind of so individual and overcome quickly I will say because like you mentioned it earlier with like Ajax's death and how like the the heel turn for Icarus I knew it was coming from a mile away because I remembered how the one trailer starts with like the scene of Salma Hayek riding up on the horse and talking about Thanos and the snap and everything. And so I was like, we have not gotten to that scene yet. And that feels like too big of a scene to cut in its entirety from the movie. So I knew I was like, okay, Icarus killed Ajax. And that is what we're building towards at this point. So I I was kind of a little underwhelmed in that regard because I, I could tell that was what we were building towards. And it took like an hour and a half, two hours to even like officially say it out loud. But I agree. I feel like the open opening scene and like all of the little flashbacks of them fighting together it all kind of felt very similar of them all working perfectly as a team and I almost wanted to see them interact with each other and get to know each other and like do certain things with their powers together and build that rapport together as opposed to just having it be exactly the same from the start because then once we got to the third act as good as the third act was it was good because of those individual moments and not because everybody was working together yeah yeah, that's all good points. All good. I mean, Anybody else? Uh, Anybody else? I'm trying to think about like, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, th- I, listen, we've I'm all been criticizing. Like, there, there were things that I liked about the film, and I really enjoy the fact that Icarus's twist and his dedication to this mission. Maybe I'm looking too far into this. Call me crazy, but it feels like a commentary, a parallel to our world's people who have intense radical religious or political beliefs and they are willing to do dangerous bad things uh that a lot of other people who don't have those beliefs will be damaged by or worse uh impacted by and i really enjoyed that they were they had such a commentary like that like icarus really was relentless in this vision of what he thought his god was telling him to do at the cost of all these people's lives and i was like you know, that's a, that's an interesting parallel to things that are happening in, in the world. Anybody, did any, am I crazy? Am I making that up? No, I totally get that. Yeah. 
I've also seen those. comments that were just like he he simped so hard that he flew into the sun. Like that is also a way to look at his entire storyline. <laughs> Flying into the sun was pretty on the nose. I know. It's like he just he stole little Icky's like little Icky's deal. <laughs> that was your son's job. I know. <laughs> little Icky, R.I.P. Um, I loved Kingo. I would I, I would love. I thought the valet was hilarious. I, the mm-hmm. closest- so good. Yeah. The valet was the emotional payoff of the movie for me when they all left the domo and he said, like, thank you all. Like, it has been my honor to be with you all. And he was just kind of accepting his fate. That, to me, was the heaviest moment of the film. I thought it was I, I thought that it was brilliant. I thought he was funny. But then he added that heart. And uh, I really enjoyed the, the valet. Uh, it, he was funny, man. And uh, yeah, Druig, I thought was like Druig and Makari. I want to see more of them. And and listen, we're going to circle back to it for the end of the show. This movie had sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally! I, I know. I wondered if Oof. we were going to talk about it or just leave it. Like, my boyfriend yep. and I were talking about it of, like, I, I'm not unhappy that that moment is in the movie, but it does, I do feel, like, embarrassed on behalf of the parents taking their children to this movie because it is, to go from how the MCU has been of, like, barely anybody kisses, and if they do, it is kind of a big deal. To go from that to that sex scene felt like a very hard pivot in a way that I was not prepared for. And I'm like, I don't envy the parents who are going to have to deal with very awkward conversations with their children on the drive home. I feel like like kids are just are not going to re- register it. it. It's just like smooshing. They're just kissing. Yeah. Oh, they're I, I smooshing really, all right. They're uh-huh. smooshing. But like, I don't know. I thought it was, maybe it's just because I'm me. I'm like, that's tame. Um, uh, whatever. Uh, but but it did make me go back and be like, oh, I wish that, like, on my head, like, I, these are all the other characters I wish we could have seen smooch. <laughs> okay. I, so I, go, go ahead, Bree. No, no, no! Take us away. I was just going to make sex I was jokes. Gonna, I, was gonna say, I just, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't know why there's this big visceral reaction to that when I have this room like memories of being in Deadpool one in a screening. <laughs> there's a bunch of parents in there with their mm-hmm. kids, and they did not leave. So, if you would take your children to go see any of the Deadpool movies anything else some of the horror movies that we get now i feel like they'll be all right i feel like they're being exposed to worse on tiktok every day i feel like that's I, absolutely true i feel like I most know. of i think most of us were kids in the 90s if, if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. there and and like i think that things now have gotten i feel like there's a, a, like a sense of um people are more prudish now i, I don't absolutely. know that's true um but like i i grew up I, pg-13 used to be PG thirteen and and I think I think things are a lot tamer now and and I don't I don't think I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Um, uh, yeah, but, I'm with you because we all are very well adjusted people. Oh I mean, yeah, good good note from our our producer Nick uh, today who said Iron Man one baby got pretty dirty. Yeah, I mean it didn't get it kind of was like they were still clothed and they rolled off the bed. Mm-hmm. We almost saw a whole booby in this movie. <laughs> like I'm not like we. <laughs> Close. I don't uh-huh. have a problem with it. I don't. Have, I don't. I. I see Jenna's concern, but uh, we, it was just like secondhand was... embarrassment. It was not concerned. Like my boyfriend and I were saying, we we're like, <laughs> if you told me there was a movie where Richard Madden and Gemma Chan have that scene, it's like I am not complaining. I am just like secondhand embarrassment is just overpowering everything. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, when I was young, I watched Austin Powers uh, with my mom. I watched Wedding Crashers. <laughs> At one point, we didn't know what we were signing up for. We rented mm-hmm. Good Luck Chuck from Blockbuster. Oh. That was an adventure. Uh, so, yeah, good luck to all the parents who have to explain the birds and the bees of how the Eternals, uh, well, they don't, re- they don't, re- I don't know what they do. They just kill time. <laughs> <laughs> but they just, uh, how they you know. Smoosh. Kids yeah, sometimes they... you smoosh for pleasure. And those... <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're here for seven thousand years, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be passing time in a lot of ways. I don't know. I, these are things I'm always afraid to touch. I don't know what's. I can't. I have no gauge here. What we can welcome or can't to, say. What will piss everybody welcome off. To episode, welcome to episode one of the Cinemax podcast. So on next week's episode, we have. <laughs> wow, I'm not even finished. <laughs> anyway, okay, so uh, I think that's a great way to wrap up today's show. Overall, I think Eternals was was fine movie. It's not in my top half of the MCU. It's not in my top half of this year's Marvel movies. I think it's gonna, yeah. Uh, anybody else have anything they want to they want to close out today's Eternals spoiler discussion with? I do just want to acknowledge Crow was like useless. Like he useless. He, he contributed. Like they did not even give him a name. And also, I'm like, what the hell was Dan Stevens talking about? Because that was Bill Skarsgård. Like he he was doing interviews of like I'm Crow. I'm gonna heavily hint that I'm Crow, and it still is just Bill Skarsgård at the end of the day. And we don't even really give him a name or have anything to do. Maybe that he was, was Crow funny. at one point. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, uh, what's his name? Um, Utkarsh, uh, Utkarsh and Budkar mm-hmm. uh, was in Mulan at one point, and then oh, he wasn't. Yeah. So maybe Stan Stevens was Crow. Who knows? Those things happen all the time. I remember there was somebody who, I forget who it was, somebody in The Walking Dead was telling me they were in Godzilla, mm. and then they weren't. They told all their friends they were in Godzilla, and then they weren't. So that's Hollywood, baby. Wow. That's 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 movie magic. So yeah, yeah. But I, I am curious what happens there as well. Um, Aaron, you wanna you want you got anything you want to close out with? I now am wondering, are we going to hear anything about any of the eternals at this Disney Plus Day thing mm-hmm. in a week and a half? Like I'm it, it, it's doing well enough in the international box office that you would probably expect to hear something about it pretty soon if it continues on the current trajectory. So all eyes are on that. Also, you can't just say, oh, yeah, this Blade here, when he got cast, what, two years ago? Yeah. We don't get anything. I am looking forward to seeing what we get now because there are a lot of different ways this could all go now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of international box Watermelon office, sugar. I don't want to start a very <laughs> long conversation here because I know this is one that could go all go for a while and we're probably all on the same page on. I find it. It's very annoying that this movie is not being released in a lot of markets because of some elements, which are likely the like the LGBTQ plus elements. But I, I do say like it's beyond time that these things were incorporated in film. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do want to say I'm happy. I'm happy that they're not adhering to that and removing it for the sake of just getting it released. I don't know if they're going to at some point because I know they're losing a lot of money but they're choosing to stand by what their filmmakers and their actors and their cast wanted to do with this film and what a lot of people wanted to see happen with this film. And uh, unfortunately, as a result, it's not getting released in international markets, which is just stupid, but uh, they're sticking by it. So that's cool to see. Let me tell you, Mm -hmm. but I, but I I hope they stick to their guns. I do. Yeah, I do. I hope so. Um, Because didn't they censor star Wars? 
Yeah, I was about to say, like, it is, it is a testament to the representation in this movie that you can't just do what, like, Rise of Skywalker did, which is just, like, kind of cut out the one gay kiss at the end of that movie. So it's like, I commend them for making the representation a little bit more prominent to where it is an intrinsic part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Jamie, anything you want to close us out with? You know, one thing we didn't talk about that I think is really funny is that is Sprite, how how they made her human. And I think, mm-hmm. did they only do that because that kid's going to get older? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. There was no other way to do it. But my thing is, does she, is she still going to have powers? I don't, I think, don't so. think so. Okay. All right. Well, I think in one. the future, Sprite may become a TV star like Sprite is in the comics because oh, yeah. Sprite was last seen leaving with Kingo. So maybe this version of Sprite is going to go act with Kingo and become a star and carry out like a career of being famous, uh, like a child, a child TV star in the comics, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, that's our show. I got nothing else. If you guys want to talk more, please. If you, if you listened to this whole hour, (laughs) honestly, we owe you a crisp high five, send us a tweet, uh, and let us know that you enjoyed the show. Ask us whatever questions. Uh, it means the world. I know I love when you guys tweeted us and we tag us on Instagram and stuff. Like it just shows us, that what we're doing matters, that people are listening and we love it. No, seriously, I, I, I sound, I'm joking a little bit, but I, I do genuinely appreciate all the kind words you guys share with us. And uh, the, when, when you ask a question that's from like 37 minutes into an episode, I'm like, yo, they're actually listening. So we appreciate that. Next week, because of all of you listening and supporting the show, we have Eternals producer Nate Moore for a 30-minute interview, so it's going to be fun. Thank you so much for the support. If you want to hit us up, it's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn, at Summit Lake Hornet, at Jamie Cinematics, not at Jamie Jurak, like I have too often tagged on Twitter, and at Brandon Davis BD. <laughs> we will see you all on Wednesday. Hope you had a great, safe weekend and enjoyed the movie. Can't wait to hear what you all thought of it. Later. <laughs>